Well, good morning, church. My name is Glenn Griner. I am one of the pastors here at Union Chapel. So glad you've decided to join us today in the room or online. We're glad you're a part of this church family. As we celebrate Memorial Day together, it's just so meaningful. I think one of the great things about this day is that we stop and say thank you. We stop and remember the people who've given their lives so that we can have the freedoms that we have. Isn't it nice that this biting that goes back and forth in our culture just kind of dies down a little bit? We remember what's really important, don't we? So the title for today's message is Don't Forget to Remember. Now this has nothing to do with my sermon, but one thing you don't want to forget is your anniversary. And so this very day, 29 years ago, Leslie Ann walked down the aisle and said, I do to me. Yeah, yeah. We won't talk about who the winner of that deal was. It would be me. It would be me. What an awesome, awesome thing. Love you, babe. Have you ever thought about how much of the Bible is focused on remembering? Over and over, we're commanded to remember. In fact, God, he set up seven feasts for the people of God to reflect and remember. There's temples, there's rituals, there's sacrifices, there's offerings. And when, when, if you've ever read through the Bible, you see this cycle that happens The people of God love him, they serve him, and then as time goes on, they forget to remember him. They forget the Lord their God, and then they begin to do the wrong things and live the wrong way, and they start suffering consequences and even the judgment of God sometimes, and then they repent, and they remember God and come back to him, and then the cycle happens again. And sometimes when I'm reading that, I was like, come on, guys. It's like the 50th time this has happened. Come on, haven't you figured it out? And then the Holy Spirit drops a little bomb on you and says, well, Glenn, that looks a lot like your life, doesn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Because sometimes we forget, don't we? It takes work to remember. Because most of us, you're like me, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to get from point A to point B to take care of everything. And at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. You go to bed, you wake up, you do it all over again. You know what I'm talking about. But sometimes we need to pause and remember and reflect. What happens when we forget to remember? You see, what happens is that we forget who we are. And so we think that there's these things in life that are gonna make us happy and we chase after them and we realize that it's just sand through our fingers, that it doesn't really satisfy the way that we hoped it would. And sometimes we might forget who God is. And this is dangerous because when we forget who God is, we stop trusting him. And when we stop trusting him, we stop coming close and near to him and we walk away. And so we want to remember. And the first point is this. Once you see it on the screen, it says, remember your spiritual heroes. Now, we're going to go through several, several different scriptures today. And so I'm not going to have you stand in honor reading God's word. Um, it'd be good calisthenics, but, but we're just going to focus on several different passages today. The first one is this. It's in Hebrews 12. I want you to see it on the screen. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. One of the things I love about this passage is it starts with this little linking word, therefore. 
If you've been in church for very long, you know the pastors love to say, you got to find out what the therefore is there for. And when you look back, you see that Hebrews 11 is a list of sometimes what's called the hall of faith. It lists heroes of our faith like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Joseph and Moses. It talks about the judges and the prophets. It even lists Rahab, the prostitute. And when we look at the Bible, it's just amazing how unbelievably transparent it is, isn't it? And this is totally unique for other writings of the day. They always glorified the person whom they were talking about. They were always better than they were. They didn't talk about any of their faults. But man, when you read the Bible, it's like watching a scary reality TV show sometime, isn't it? We get to see their faults and failures up front and personal. It's so raw and real. And because of that, we can relate to the people of the Bible more effectively. So I want you to think of this question as it comes up on the screen. Who are your biblical heroes? Now, obviously, we learn from all the people in the Bible, don't we? But there's sometimes when you need to remember some people more than others. I know you're not like me, and I know you can't relate to dealing with and giving into temptation. And if, if that just perchance happens to be you, perhaps we need to remember David. Because David, he committed sins like on a colossal scale in front of God and everybody. He like did all the horrible things that you can do. He did them but yet he was called a man after God's own heart. And when we remember David, we remember that he's a man who connected with God, who allowed God's forgiveness to flow through him and transform him. So friends, there is hope for you and there is hope for me. Just maybe your issue's a little different. Maybe you have some serious questions. Like not just little bitty doubts, but big doubts. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, if I don't get these questions answered, there's no way I can move forward in my relationship with God. I want to challenge you to remember Thomas. He was one of Jesus' disciples. His nickname was Doubting Thomas. And part of the reason for that was because he always asked questions. He's this logical thinker and he thought ahead and he didn't mind opening his mouth. He wasn't belligerent or anything, but Thomas liked to ask questions. And one of the things that happened to Thomas was that when Jesus died, Thomas was done. In fact, when he heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, he said, I will not believe unless my fingers go in the holes in his hands and my fist goes into his side. And so when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time, Thomas was not there. But after Thomas began to think and pray and talk with the other disciples, the next time he was back with all the disciples, what happened? Jesus showed up to the disciples and he stood right in front of Thomas. He answered Thomas's questions. And he was doubting Thomas no more. Friends, this isn't in the Bible, but I want to tell you that Thomas went all over India preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And so many people's lives were being transformed that these Hindu prophets of Kali hunted him down and put a spear to his chest and said, you must stop preaching this Jesus and stop turning people to this way. And he said, I could never stop. And that was the last thing that Thomas did. Maybe you're following God, you're obeying him, and you're pretty sure you've got everything right, but you look at your life and you have a one-word prayer with God. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why is my life blowing up? Why is all this stuff going wrong? Friends, you and I, we need to remember John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was the guy who prepared the way for Jesus, for the Messiah. In fact, he knew about Jesus being the Messiah before he was born. 
He had this huge following where he preached to people and they would repent of their sins and he would baptize them. He even baptized Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy to even untie your sandals, much less baptize you. But there was one day when John the Baptist sent one of his followers to ask Jesus an important question. This is the question, are you really the one? And John the Baptist's problem was the fact that he couldn't make sense of his circumstances. Because when he sent that, that friend of his, that follower of hers to find Jesus, he was in jail. He was looking at the very likely reality that he was going to be executed. And when that person brought back word, he knew, yes, yes, Jesus is here for me, no matter what happens. Maybe you're dealing with depression. And I know that depression affects so many people in our culture today. It's so challenging at so many different levels. But here's something that might help you just a little bit. I want to challenge you to remember Elijah. You see, Elijah, he crashed hard. I mean, after one of the biggest pyrotechnic miracles in all of the Bible, Queen Jezebel came after him and said, I'm going to take your life and kill you. And so he ran and ran and ran and just fell exhausted in the desert wilderness. He said, I'm no better than the people who've gone before me. And he prayed to God. He said, God, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life and my life. Take me now. Now, God did listen to Elijah's prayer, but he didn't answer it the way that he prayed. You see, he met Elijah where he was. He helped him see his own pain in light of his goodness and his grace and his power. And so, friends, maybe you need to remember Elijah. But even almost more important to you and me, not just the heroes of the Bible, but I want you to remember this on the screen. Who are your personal heroes? The people who helped point you to Jesus. The people who invited you to watch this online. The, the reason that you might be in this very room today. I want you to think about them. That's what the point of this message bump was all about. And I'm so blessed. I grew up in a family of people who love God and and what a wonderful, wonderful thing. I remember hanging out with my Nama Hig. And now this was after she had surgery and wasn't doing well and things weren't looking good. And I was very nervous praying for her to be healed. And I remember just, just the two of us. And I sat beside her bed and she looked at me with a smile on her face. She said, Glenn, I'm ready. I'm ready. Now my, my knee-jerk reaction was like, I don't like that. But when I looked into her eyes and I saw the peace in her heart, I knew that she knew that she was going to heaven, that she was going to be with Papa Hig and all the other people who loved her and loved Jesus. And that sounded pretty good. That gave me peace and encouragement. I remember my Nama and Papa Griner. They were always sharing God's love with us and everybody else. There were always people coming into their house. In fact, I remember a workman came to repair something and Papa answered the door. And the first question he asked wasn't, well, who are you, where are you from? Well, here's this. He said, where do you go to church? <laughs> if you don't go to church, you should come to church with me. And by the way, my wife, Rosemary, makes some great lemonade. Come have some lemonade. <laughs> this is how they If you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about my dad. And he's the king of questions. And he would ask us things about ourselves and things that we were interested in. He would, he would help us find God's call in our lives. And he encouraged us in so many ways. And he did this with other men as well. He taught a Sunday school class for years. And as a businessman, he would just simply ask men about their lives at lunch and end up ending, leading them to Jesus. And I just love his laugh and his sense of humor. I can still hear his laugh today. And if you're like me, you remember those people. 
And you miss them, don't you? I miss the people I love too. I miss, I miss my heroes. But here's something that helps me, and I hope it helps you too. I've just chosen to think about heaven. I think about them being in the presence of God. I think about them experiencing the glory of God, and it gives me hope. And not only does it give me hope that, that they are having the time that we could never understand or wrap our minds around, but that's waiting for me too because I know Jesus. That helps so much. In fact, there's a little book here. You see, it's a book called 50 Days of Heaven by Randy Alcorn. I would highly encourage you to pick it up because friends, the church today, we sell heaven short. I mean, we don't understand half of what God has in store for us and that will help you. And so I'm giving away one per service. If you want one, come by and pick it up after the service today. I'd love, to, love for you to have that. It'll be an encouragement to you. That's 50 Days of Heaven by Randy Alcorn. That'll be helpful for you. But think about this. I want you to picture your personal spiritual heroes. Bring them to mind right now. Can you see their face? I want you to think about the thing that you love most about them. What about them blesses you? What about them encouraged you? Maybe they believed in you when no one else did. Maybe they gave you second, third, fourth, fifth, who knows how many chances. Maybe they challenged you and helped you. Maybe they worked hard for you and blessed you. And when you think about them, you realize the things that they've done are things that you can do as well because they lived that example for you, didn't they? And as you remember them, other than grief, what's happening inside of you? I hope that you feel God's peace. I hope that your confidence is rising as you remember these wonderful men and women. You see, our personal spiritual heroes, they gave us real life flesh and blood examples of how to live this life day in and day out. And if we reflect on this passage of scripture, when we remember them, we can kind of shake off those sins and those things that tangle us up so easily. We can, we can run through that temptation and we can live the life that God has laid out for us. And the ultimate goal of remembering is that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, hopefully you're more evolved than I am, but if I don't fix my eyes on Jesus, I become fixated on myself. You know how this works. When someone tags me in a picture, I look at the picture, I look for me. I, look for, I just look for me. In fact, if I'm looking good, my eyes aren't too big or they're not too squinty, my smile's just right, think, that's a good picture. It doesn't matter that there's a colossal booger hanging out of the nose of my friend right next to me who sent me that picture. That's a great picture because I'm looking good. But you see, when we become fixated on ourselves inside, worse things happen to us, don't we? Because we see our own failures, our own shortcomings. We see excuses, how we don't measure up, how God can never use us, how we can never do this, be this, and our confidence just evaporates. We feel unworthy. But you see, Jesus, when we fix our eyes on him, it says that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. As we remember him, we see ourselves for who we are. We see ourselves for who he can make us to be. 
There's another phrase in this passive scripture, which is especially meaningful. It says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And when you think about crucifixion and just the history and the facts behind it, they're just totally brutal. Nothing joyful could be about that. But I want to focus on this one phrase that said that Jesus despised the shame. And see, more than any other person who was crucified, Jesus took your shame. He took my shame. Scripture is clear over and over that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. He descended into hell. He took the punishment that you and I deserved. He poured out all of who he was so that you and I could experience him in a wonderful, meaningful, and intimate way. And he did that with joy. How could Jesus go through the most tortuous time that we could ever consider with joy in his heart? And I contend that Jesus remembered. He he remembered a time when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was asking Jesus. This This was right before he was to be betrayed and handed over for the trial. He was praying with his whole heart. He was And he was praying so hard, God, let this cup pass from me. Is there any other way? It totally exhausted him. In fact, God had to send an angel to minister to him. And after Jesus was stronger, he resumed praying. As he was praying, he started to sweat. And then he started to sweat drops of blood. And Jesus ended his time of prayer. He said, not my will, but yours. Because Jesus looked for the joy in the cross. And the only joy is, it's you, it's me. It's the whole world that gets to be connected with him in a wonderfully intimate, supernaturally close way, right here, right now, and for all of eternity. What a beautiful thing. Speaking of the cross, you know, Jesus, he was crucified between two thieves. And the second point is this, when we talk about remembering it, there's a thief that said to Jesus, remember me. I'd like to read part of Luke 23. We'll begin in verse 39. Check it out on the screen. It said this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? And I kind of like having fun with scripture sometimes. What if Jesus answered this man's request, remember me, with a saying, well, of course, of course I could remember you. I could never forget you. You see, I'm the son of God. I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipresent. In fact, I knew about you before you were born, and I was there. I know the number of hairs on your head. I know the number of your days, and I helped form your inward parts. So thanks for trying, but there's no way I could ever forget you. (laughs) But you see, that's not the kind of remembering that that this man is talking about, is it? It's more than mental acknowledgement. When this thief asked Jesus, remember me, he's offering respect. He's confessing his sin. He's giving glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords when he says, remember me. He doesn't ask for anything, but he says, whatever you have to offer me, Jesus, I will receive it with complete gratitude. He's saying, will you accept me? Will you forgive me? Will you love me? And when we think about that man on the cross, 
we realize this, that we are all thieves hanging on a cross, aren't we? There's no special people in church. There's no special people in the kingdom of God. There's only people who need Jesus and who receive him. Perhaps you're familiar with Mother Teresa. She lived her life serving the poorest of the poor her entire life in Calcutta, India. In fact, I believe that there's this whole process of becoming an official saint through the Roman Catholic Church, and I believe that's happening for her. You know what Mother Teresa would tell you? She would say, I'm just a thief hanging on a cross who needs Jesus. Because our good deeds, they don't impress God at all. Because we can never be good enough. We all need him. Because friends, salvation, it's more than praying a prayer and doing good things. It's about a connection with Jesus. It's about offering all of ourselves to him. And throughout the Bible, salvation is first love and devotion. And then it's what we do. And I hope maybe you're realizing afresh and anew, or maybe for the first time, how personal and how intimate Jesus wants to be with you. And there's something that breaks my heart sometimes is that people, they push God away because of what they've done. And I know that we've got people connecting online today because they're traveling or maybe they're worried about their health. And we get that. That's great. We love having you as a part of our church family. But some people, they've told me that I can't come to church because I just got wasted. I can't come to church because I just spent who knows how long looking at who knows what online and I shouldn't have done that or or I completely lost my temper again and I can't believe I acted that way and said those things and did those things. There's no way I can come to church. Let me tell you, friends, you're in good company because we're all thieves hanging on a cross. This is a place where you can come because this is a place where we can find freedom, where we offer forgiveness and hope and encouragement to every single one who reaches out to Jesus. So you are free to come. Jesus invites you to come. Receive his goodness and his love. And Jesus tells you the same thing he tells this thief on the cross. He says, I am with you. I am with you. Today you will be with me in paradise. What a beautiful thing. And I'm reminded of Jesus' last words. Jesus, he was ascending into heaven and he gave the great commission to the disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news, baptizing people and making disciples. But the last thing he said is this. He said, yes, I am with you even to the end of the age. And so not only was there a thief on a cross asking Jesus to remember him, but Jesus asked you and me this statement, this very same thing. Jesus says to us, See it on the screen. Jesus says to us, remember me. And in a moment, we're going to partake communion together, just like Pastor Jeff mentioned. And so maybe if you didn't grab communion elements, you're free to go snag some right now. Look, you are free to take communion with us. If you love Jesus and live for him, you are welcome to do that. It's worth it. So you can feel free to do that. Maybe you're watching online. Grab some bread or juice. Maybe you don't have bread or juice. It's okay. Get crackers and whatever. It's not important the elements, it's important the act of worship. And as we prepare our hearts for that, I wanna read 1 Corinthians 11. We'll begin in verse 23. Check it out on the screen. It says this, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of we. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
And friends, I think it's significant that Jesus stops two times in this whole process and says, remember me. And as we reflect and think and bring to mind what Jesus did as that bread was broken, we think about his body and the torture that he endured for you and for me with joy in his heart. And then when he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant, and we realize that before Jesus, the blood of boats and <laughs> goats and bulls and lambs had been offered for our, the forgiveness of our sins. But once and for all, Jesus, he's our sacrificial lamb. Because of his blood, we are free. What a wonderful thing. And when we, when we remember that, it's powerful. But have you ever thought about the word communion? It's like union and come. Come union. Come be with me. It's like Christ and us and us and Christ, Jesus and you and you and Jesus. He's saying, come close. It's more than remember. It's endear yourself to me. I want you to see this statement on the screen. It says this communion is more like an invitation to actively remember Jesus. Think back to some little statements that Jesus made, like how he treated the word believe. Jesus said that whosoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is not just talking about, you know, yeah, I believe so. He's talking about that kind of belief that means I cling to you, I adhere to you, I trust in you, and I rely upon you. And the same thing when Jesus said, follow me. He doesn't mean walk around behind me, you know, like a duckling, taking pictures and posting them on Instagram. When Jesus says, follow me, he means do the things that I do, say the things I say, love the way that I love. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And what if Jesus, when he says, remember my body broken for you, what if he's asking you to lay down your life for him, to give all that you have, your entire body to him? I'm reminded of the words in Romans 12. It says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, which will lead you to his good and pleasing and perfect will. Your sacrifice allows you to experience the fullness and the greatness of Jesus' sacrifice. In other words, you say no to some things so that you can say yes to more of Jesus. What if after that meal, when Jesus passed the cup around and said, this is my blood, the very core of who I am, the essence of me, my divinity is poured out for you. What if Jesus is asking you to pour your life out for him so that you can experience the life and the joy and the freedom that only he can provide? Because friends, Jesus, he had to shed his blood for you and for me, there was no other way. And likely there's no other way for us to receive his goodness and his love and all the benefits of knowing him than for us to completely offer ourselves to him. And I think it's also pretty neat that communion isn't something that we just do alone. It's something that we do together. We celebrate communion. Whether you're at home by yourself, you're still a part of this church family. We're celebrating communion together. It's something we do as the body of Christ. And this word communion, it actually comes from the word ecclesia, which means fellowship. It also means church. It's what they used to describe the church. It's what we do. We connect with Jesus and one another because when we're together, we can do more. When we're together, Christ is with us in a more significant way 
Together we're stronger. Together we're wiser. When we come together, friends, we can change the world that we live in. And this last statement, sometimes we can kind of gloss over it. It says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This little phrase, proclaim the Lord's death, it literally means you preach Jesus until he comes back. When we remember Jesus in this way, our lives preach Jesus. Our lives share his goodness and his love. We help point other people to Christ, which leads us right back to where we started. Because when we remember Jesus like that, we become part of this great cloud of witnesses. You inspire others. You lead other people to Jesus. And so think about this, friends. Who will remember you? Who will remember you? You will be remembered, but who will remember you? Maybe an even more important question is this. What will you be remembered for? And friends, I know you'll be remembered for pointing people to him, for loving people, helping people experience the goodness of God. Would you bow your heads with me as we spend some time in prayer and the worship team comes up? Jesus, first of all, we want to thank you. Thank you for the cloud of witnesses, for the people you've placed in our lives who pointed us to you. Thank you for our spiritual heroes. And for those who've already relocated to heaven, we miss them so much. And so, Jesus, we want, we want the power of heaven to rise up in our hearts, Jesus. We want to think about their experiences, and we want to look with great anticipation to the joy that waits us as we get to experience your glory and your love that knows no bounds, that cannot be described and is never limited. And, Jesus, we remember them, and we remember you, just like that thief on the cross. We pray this prayer. Can you pray this prayer in your hearts, church? Say, Jesus, remember me. Remember me in my sin. Remember me in my failure. Remember me in my shortcomings. Remember me in my doubt and my hurt and my worry and my depression. And thank you, Jesus, that you are with me. Jesus, as we offer ourselves to you, your forgiveness is instant. As we offer ourselves to you, your spirit comes with freedom and power. As we offer ourselves to you, we find wholeness and strength and beauty and love and joy. And Jesus, as we prepare to take communion together, we choose to fully and actively remember you. Just like your body was broken for us, we offer our bodies to you. As your blood was poured out for us, we offer the essence or the core of who we are all for you, Jesus. There is no one like you. So Lord, fill us with your spirit. Help us experience the joyful significance that you've laid out for us together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now friends, if you would, grab the communion elements. If you're here in the room, you'll see the cracker on that portion there. If you would, peel back the little sealer there and take the peace in your hands, the body of Christ broken for you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You may partake. And now turn it over and just peel the lid back halfway. Otherwise, it'll go everywhere. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Forgiveness of your sins. Jesus, we remember you. Thank you for your blood. Let's partake. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his love. You know the God we serve.
He's worthy of praise. So church, would you stand with me as we sing?